That's fine, because then I'll just say, I'm just going right into the scripture lesson for today. If I back up a little bit, now am I in the shadow? Okay, but I can come over here. So really, no further than parallel to here, and no further back than the edge of this table. circles of what they're back there I kind of see it but it's all blending in with the other so I'm not going to notice that no Today's scripture lesson comes from the first book of the Bible, book of Genesis, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Uh-oh. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I... And the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, my son, he said. Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb, for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place which God had told them, told him, Abraham built the altar, al- altar there and laid the wood in order to bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took a knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. 
He said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld the son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, he, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket of his horns, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for the burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please bless this message today. Allow it to be read by your Holy Spirit. God, follow, God allow this message to speak to the hearts of those that you have intended it for. In your holy name, amen. So here's the good news. <clears throat> I know it's a holiday weekend, and you all probably have things to do and places to go. So this message is going to be a, a shorter one. When I timed out, it was just under 20 minutes, so I'm going to try to um, hold myself to about this number for you and just try to get over it. <clears throat> so have you ever heard of the saying, the best laid plans? I don't get my notes over here. I just get the slides. Okay. <clears throat> the saying actually originated in a poem entitled, To a Mouse. It was by Robert Burns, which then was the inspiration for Steinbeck's classic American novel, which most of you have probably heard of, entitled, As Mentioned There. Well, today I'm going to talk about a concept that I think most of us are familiar with, the best laid plans, that life rarely goes according to plan. Now, this is a touchy subject for me because, as most of you know, I'm a planner. I plan out everything. I'm not just a type A personality. I'm a type A personality on steroids. All right, so here's the good news. It's a holiday weekend. I know you probably have places to be. When I timed this message out, it came in under 20 minutes. It's not even quite 1030, so you have to stay out of here before 11 today. <laughs> so the scripture comes from Genesis. It's chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. A little bit longer one, and it's not from the gospel, so you can just go through there and won't make you stand for the reading. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of what I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took his hands in his hands the fire and the knife. And so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. Then they came to the place which God had told him. Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
Then he reached out his hand and took a knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please bless this message today. Allow it to be led by your Holy Spirit. God, allow this message to speak to the hearts of those you intended it for. In your holy name, amen. So many of you have probably heard the saying, the best laid plans. That's what I'm going to talk about today. The saying, it actually originated from a poem entitled um, To a Mouse, and it was by Robert Burns, which inspired something you've probably heard of. It was Steinbeck's classic American novel of 1909. Well, today I want to talk to you about the concept that I think everyone is familiar with and has had happen to them, is when you plan something and it doesn't quite go the way you thought it would, the best laid plans. Now, this is a touchy subject for me because I am a planner. As you know, I'm a planning by night to shine. I plan everything. I'm very much a type A personality. Actually, in my phone, I have this beautiful app. It's my calendar app that I actually pay for, and it's color-coded. And it tells people where to be when. I kind of say, Eric, you go with me. You know, with, with Evelyn, with Kara. And I actually, <laughs> hate to admit this, people think I'm crazy, but have my dinners planned out all the way through November. So if you want to know what I'm having for dinner on October 21st after the service, I can let you know. It's in my calendar. <laughs> So this definitely um, has a close to home for me. I think most everyone has seen that the movie, the iconic movie, Home Alone. If you haven't or it's been a while, um, it's about an eight-year-old kid, and his name is Kevin. And he gets left home alone when his family goes on a Christmas vacation to Paris. Well, the iconic scene from that movie comes whenever Kevin is pretending to shave, and he puts on that aftershave, he slaps on both cheeks, uh, and then he starts screaming it in the air and goes, ah! And I think we've all kind of reenacted this scene in a joking way when we see someone overreacting to an unexpected event. Well, in the Gospel of Luke, it tells us about a dinner party, um, or really a dinner, uh, with a very special guest of honor, and it was Jesus. And it did not go as planned. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it tells us, And Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, and they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, into his home. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of go a little bit overboard on dinner parties. If Denise were here, I'm sure she could attest to that. I've seen the dinner party she puts on. It's just immaculate the way she lays everything out. But I can only imagine Martha thinking what it was going to be like to host a dinner for Jesus. I can kind of see her pulling her sister Mary aside and thinking, okay, this is the food that we have and we can serve, and this is what we'll put it on, and the table will spread it out. But, you know, I'm sure that she had that plan all planned out, but we know that that dinner didn't quite go the way that she thought it would. But we all had plans um, that haven't gone. I had very important plans in 2020, and I think like most of you, those plans didn't go the way we thought that they would. 
Eric and I actually welcomed our daughter Evelyn uh, in August of 2020, and um, that definitely that year did not go as planned. We found out we were going to be expecting in January of 2020, and we waited. I went to the doctors, you know, made sure everything was progressing. It was going as planned, and we finally were starting to tell our family and our friends that we were expecting. And um, I started to kind of picture in my head how this this next nine months was going to go, right? And I thought about, you know, my growing baby bump and how, you know, the one time a woman wants to show off her belly to the world, I was excited. I didn't have to suck anything in. I was, you know. Um, But then just weeks after we started telling everybody, well, the whole world was shut down. And I spent the next about four months, I don't think we left our house. We were just in absolute isolation. I ended up having to go to all my doctor's appointments all by myself. I even went to the ultrasound appointment where we were so excited to find out we were going to have that boy or we were going to have another girl. Well, spoiler alert, we had a third girl. But Eric wasn't able to go to any of them with me. He, um, for the ultrasound, they did let me share the uh, FaceTime on my phone. That's how he was there with me. But I was all on my own for all that. Definitely was not what I thought I planned. As COVID continued to shut the world down, my plan for delivering my baby shifted. You know, instead of having my family there with me and my close friends, now I was wondering if it was even going to be Eric there with me. You know, they were even talking about not allowing fathers in. So I kind of shifted my brain and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start to really plan this birth announcement because COVID can't take away the birth announcement. I mean, it's just mail, right? So I bought this beautiful swaddle blanket that I can swaddle her in in the hospital. And I even splurged. I got this beautiful robe that matched it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have this picture perfect. You know what this celebrities do? I'm going to sit in the hospital bed. I'm going to fix up my hair. And, you know, we're going to have the matching swaddle and and everything. And then hopefully Eric's there and smile. And I'm going to have that picture perfect announcement to send out. Well, as you know, the best laid plans. The end of July went into my 32-week checkups. And the world was just starting to open back up. And uh, the nurse practitioner said that some of my labs were coming back a little abnormal. So she wanted to draw some blood to check on how my liver was doing. I said, okay. So did that, went home. We're we're planning our weekend. Um, Friday morning, I get up real early. Six in the morning, I'm talking to Eric about our weekend. He has golfing plans that day. Where do we going to, you know, where are dry and care going to go? And we had stuff going on Saturday and Sunday. My phone rings. And I look at it, it's not a number that I know. And so since I'm not in the market for a extended car warranty, I did not answer my phone. But that phone number left a message and then immediately called me back. And that's when Eric told me that they don't really sell car warranties at 6 a.m. on a Friday. So I should probably look for the phone. And I did. And it was my nurse practitioner. And she said that my numbers came back and they were elevated. And she thought it was best that I go to the hospital and um, just be monitored. And I said, okay. I hung up the phone. I told Eric. I said, hey, you know, we're going to have to rearrange these plans this weekend. So... You know, he canceled his golfing event, and uh, we got my, my mom, she's watching the girls, we got it all set up, and then she calls back again, my nurse practitioner, and says, hey, by the way, don't eat or drink anything, you might be having a baby day. I thought, well, that's definitely not my plan, she wasn't supposed to be here till September. So, um, went to the hospital, spent that weekend being monitored, um, and let me tell you, being a human pincushion for four days was not part of my birth plan, it was actually um, one of the longest weekends of my life. But on Monday evening, at about 8.15, my doctor, he sat down at the end of the bed. He said, you know, these numbers, 
they're not, you know, they're not looking good. They keep on going up. I think the best thing to do is deliver. So at 8.44 p.m. on Monday, August 3rd, Eric and I welcomed our daughter, Evelyn. She was seven weeks early. Now, when Nikki team was there, because we knew she was going to get a NICU, we were told that she might not even be able to, we wouldn't even be able to see her. She's just going to be withdrawn. But luckily, they thought, you know, she was strong enough. We got, I got to see her. I got to snap this quick picture with her. And then she was whisked off. So this definitely was not the picture in the swaddle. This is, I'm not wearing the robe, you can see. She's not wearing the blanket. I don't even think they were at the hospital. And uh, this was the picture that I got. I actually never even sent out a birth announcement after the whirlwind of it all. What I did was I posted this picture right here um, on Facebook and on my Snapchat. And this was my birth announcement. She doesn't even have anything on. And I just simply wrote across there, you know, that she, she was born. So you know, the best laid plans. I spent the next 24 hours alone in a hospital bed. Um, I had to be on very strong medication to help my liver recover, and um, Evelyn had to be in the NICU, so I told Eric, you know, he was over with her, and uh, in his defense, though, I did tell him to stay away. You know, I said, I said, you gotta go with her. I have doctors taking care of me. Evelyn needs her father, so you go. But I did get to see her, you know, for some pictures, see you again, do some Facebook calls. But, you know, this was just not the plan that I had in mind. I was scared for my baby, and I was mad, and I was frustrated because, you know, in down the halls I could hear the moms who were bonding with their babies the way I was going to bond with my baby in her matching swaddle and my matching robe. And here I am, alone on this medication, sometimes so woozy that I'm not even sure if it was a dream that I had had. It just was not what I had planned. I was angry. And maybe you found yourself in these situations, these times when you felt stunned that something happened that you never even saw coming. Maybe at this point it's when you ask yourself, how did I get here? This is not what I had planned. But here's the good news. The good news is that nothing surprises God. And in fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9, God declares that he saved us and called us for a holy calling, not because of our works, but because his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. God calls us and every Christian to live a godly life, to be a witness, to grow up spiritually, to walk with him and, his, and our brothers and sisters, and to produce the fruits of the Spirit. God gave you a specific calling based on your gifts, and your desires. And that calling does not change based on whether something does or does not happen. In Romans 11:29, it tells us, for gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. See, God, he sticks with his plan. It's never wavering. Nothing derails him. Just like our plans fall apart, well, Martha's dinner, it didn't go the way she planned either. As she was running around, as I, I kind of picture it, her running around like a chicken with her head cut off, trying to make sure people had drinks and food and trying to wash dishes in a mud sink, and I can't even imagine the mess. There's Mary sitting and talking with Jesus. Well, she wanted to sit and talk with Jesus, right? I mean, that's what everyone wants to do, but all these things needed to be done. Well, this is the point where our lives kind of cross with the story of Luke. And just like Martha had a plan and a vision for what her dinner would look like, we've all had plans that never come to be. Just as I was upset and jealous that other moms got to spend time with their new babies, and here mine was in the NICU. This is the point where we can blame God. Where is he? After all, God could have kept this from happening. Why, why do we even make plans? What's the point? 
after all the years you've spent putting in your Sundays here, reading your Bible, doing all your good deeds, do you blame God that your parents didn't come to life? Just as frustrated as we get when our parents don't go the way we want them, Martha, she was mad, and she marched up to Jesus, and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister sits here while I do all the work? Well, if you've been daydreaming without your parents for later, I want you to listen to this. I want you to come back to me for just this little bit. Here's the important part. Our foundation of our faith is not everything going the way we want like some Disney fairy tale. It is a mistake to wrap up our faith in God and the fulfillment of our plans. Let me repeat that. It's a mistake to wrap up your faith in God in the fulfillment of your plans. That's just the definition of being a fair-weather Christian. When plans go the way we thought that they would, well, God is great and God loves me. This is wonderful. And when things don't, well, how can I, how can I worship a God who would allow things like this to happen? But Jesus had an answer for that, and he gave it to Martha. He said, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over these details? There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary discovered it, and it cannot be taken away from her. All these events and all these things that don't go the way that we plan aren't really what God is worried about. These are minor details. He has an ultimate plan. And when we follow it, then we'll be in good hands. And let me tell you, spending time with Jesus will always trump any of our other plans. Well, after that 24 hours, I got to see Evelyn. Now she was hooked up to a lot of machines and had wires coming off of her of every direction. She was so small, and she was in a little incubator, so I couldn't take her out much. And uh, I just prayed to God, and I said, God, give her the strength to fight, to heal, and to grow. Well, our NICU doctor, he came in, and he said, you know, Evelyn, she's too strong, but she has a ways to go. She probably won't go home till closer to your due date, which is about seven weeks away in September. Um, the first thing she needed to do to be able to go home was she needed to be able to breathe on her own. She was breathing through the hood because she had this big mask on. It was a CPAP that was forcing air in and out because she couldn't do it on her own. And she said, that's the first thing she needs to do. So Eric and I said, okay. And we prayed. And God was there. And within a couple of days, Evelyn was breathing on her own. They took that off. They just had like those little, you know, nose things on for her there. Then the next thing she had to do is she had to gain weight. We wanted to get her back to her birth weight of 4 pounds, 11 ounces. She was down to about 4 pounds at that point. So Eric and I prayed, and God was there. And she actually surpassed that weight, which they didn't think she would do. Well, next, she had to maintain her own body temperature. See, that incubator was keeping her at the right body temperature. And so Eric and I prayed, and God was there. And just a couple of days later, they were wheeling out that incubator and into an open-air crib. And here she was. It was her first day in an open-air crib. So it was easier. Now we could hold her whenever we wanted. It was an amazing day. So next and very last thing that she had to do was hardest of all. She had to be able to eat on her own. So she was eating through that little tube that was going into her nose. Well, she needed to be able to eat through a bottle and get her nutrients in so she could go home. And this was a hard thing because you have to suck, you have to swallow, and you have to breathe. And you have to do them in, you know, in order. And so they said, this one's going to take a long time, and this is what's going to keep you here. I said, okay. So Eric and I prayed, and God was there. Here she is on Monday, August 17th. Two weeks in the NICU. She was coming home five weeks earlier. This was the very earliest they said that she could ever come home, and they never thought that it would happen. It very rarely happened. 
And so we were so excited, but this still was not what we had planned for the first two weeks with Beverly. But God was there, and he was showing us that even through the unexpected, his love and power can flow through. On August 3rd, we celebrate Evan's second birthday, and we're, she's been surprising the doctors even how well she has done. Her primary doctor has said, other than her size, she's trying to make us forget that she's a preemie. See, when God has a plan, he's never worried about it. Even when we're yelling with our hands on our cheeks, like the scene from Home Alone, God can see ahead and provide us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. Simply put, God is the ultimate event coordinator. He's planned every detail in advance. A great example of this came in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 22 in the verses that we read earlier. God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. The heir to his promised line was a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Now this is where most of us would grab our kids, run the other way, and say, God, I don't think that this is right. You need to rethink this. But Abraham, he quickly obeyed God, and he took the son on a three-day journey to a mountain and intended to sacrifice him to the Lord. In fact, his faith in the Lord was so strong that in the book of Hebrews, Paul tells us Abraham believed that if Isaac died, God could raise him from the dead and still fulfill the promise of the line. That's true faith. So Abraham lifted his arms to sacrifice his, God, his, his son. God stopped him, and he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to harm him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So Abraham saw that ram that was caught by its horns, and he took it and he sacrificed it to God in place of Isaac. And he named that place Jehovah-Jireh, which means God provides. And actually, this is the first place in the Bible that we hear God referred to as Jehovah. But let's take a step back and really think about this historic event. Now, I can imagine when God told Abraham to go to Mount Moriah, which was three days away, Abraham could have said that there were closer mountains, and he had to be closer mountains. And he could have said, why don't we just go over to that one? I mean, that one looks, looks good enough, and it's right there. But God had a plan, and it involved that mountain that was three days away. He planned for that ram to be there at the exact time that Abraham needed it. If he had gone to the closer, more convenient mountain, he would have missed God's ultimate plan. So as you go about planning your life, be careful to include God in it. And listen to him being sure that you're following his plan and you go where he guides you. Because just as he guided Abraham up the right mountain at the right time, he does the same for you. God has seen ahead of your situation, even those situations that you didn't see coming, and he has a plan for you. And that's providing for you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. So follow God's plan, because you don't want to be up the wrong mountain when God has your provision somewhere else. But don't misinterpret what I'm saying. It's not saying that if you follow God's plan, that everything's cupcakes and rainbows, because it's not. But the great thing about being a Christian is that when you give your life to God, he'll be there and carry you through. Not only during the great times, but during those hard times as well. Because Jesus didn't die on a cross for our great times. He did it for our worst of times. And don't let that sacrifice go to waste. In those times when you're following God's plan, but the waters are deep and the burdens are heavy. Don't look back. Stay the course and allow him to carry you through. So as Joel says, here's my bottom line. 
like my pregnancy with Evelyn and like Marcia's been, you've probably had times in your life and will have times, other times in your life in the future that don't go as planned. In those times, can you put trust in God? I promise you that he still has a great plan and purpose for you. But if you quit or stray from his plan, willing your plan to come to fruition, you'll never see God's ultimate plan for you. And if you stop moving forward and you start wallowing in your self-pity and your disappointment and your heartbreak because your event or your life isn't going the way that you thought it would, then you'll never get to the promised land. So keep going. Your event, your life may not look the way you thought it would, but don't waste time looking back and focusing on what could have or should have been. Instead, look forward. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Move when God says move. Stay when God says stay. Be faithful and obedient, knowing that he hasn't forgotten you or your plan, his plan for you. Amen.